0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the Awaken Together podcast. I'm Kat, and today I am joined by a special guest to help us dive into the topic of psychedelic integration. Now, this is kind of like a part two from last season's episode where Jen and I shared our experiences around catalyzing healing through psychedelics. And I'm super excited to be joined today by a very special guest, Christine Grace. Now, to give you a little bit of information on Christine before we dive in, Christine is located in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and she's the founder of RAW, which stands for Radically Authentic Wholeness. And she's a part of the Leadership Council of the Whole Human Embodiment Network, which is focused on cultivating growth and healing through the intentional use of psychedelics and alternative modalities. She's also a certified transformational integration coach and has worked intentionally with psychedelic medicines for her own holistic integration and growth for over a decade. She has been supporting and guiding psychedelic medicine work with groups and individuals for over four years and has coached over 300 people to embody their inner wisdom expressed through these catalytic experiences. I'm so excited to introduce you to Christine. Welcome. Mm, Thank you, Kat. I appreciate that warm welcome. (laughs) Of course. Thank you so much for being here. How are you doing today?
1: Yeah, I'm doing great. It's a lovely fall Saturday up here. Um, Our winters are getting uh, pushed. Normally we have like snow on the ground by now, but um, we've been having these lovely falls these last few years. So it's a sunny fall
0: day up here in Calgary. That's so nice. (laughs) It's a little dreary here in Denver today, but it's still like beautiful fall weather. And I think it's kind of similar. We get our first snow usually in October, but it's been gorgeous so far. So I love it. Yeah. Um, And to share how Christine and I know each other, I was actually lucky enough to experience her work um, when I had been doing my ketamine therapy just a couple months ago now. Um, She was one of my integration coaches in a group session. And I absolutely loved everything that she had to share, the way that she held the space. um, And so that's why I asked her to be on with us today. So again, thank you, Christine, for that. (laughs) Mm,
1: you're so welcome and thank you. I'm so glad it was helpful for you. Those group sessions can be so
0: powerful. So,
1: um, oh, one of my yeah.
0: favorite ways to to integrate and work with people. So special, just hearing other people's experiences. I found it very mm-hmm. validating. So, so yeah, that's kind of why we're here today. How we know each other and Christine, I'd love to just hear a little bit more about you. So, what's your why for getting into this line of work?
1: Yeah, that's such a great question. Um. Fundamentally for me, I, uh, I stumbled into psychedelics when I was like 19. Um, just some of the friends I had, I was running around with more of a people who would, who would come across, uh, psychedelics. Um, and I was suffering with really bad depression. I had been depressed most of my life, um, mm-hmm. due to what psychedelics showed eventually was, um, just some trauma that had been repressed. And, um, It was through psychedelics that I actually started to not only understand myself and what depression was actually kind of teaching me, but, um, but it helped me actually learn how to, how to live a more embodied and happy life. And so, and then I obviously just became really interested in them and um, started, have worked with probably, I think seven or eight at this point in time, different psychedelics um, for different purposes and different healing. So uh, once I learned that you can actually like get out of depression and heal, I just kind of became obsessed with healing in general, Um, Mm -hmm. ended up going down the yoga route, the alternative route and have studied quite a few different alternative modalities um, because it's just so fascinating all the ways that we... uh, all the different layers of what it means to be human and all the different places where our expression might need to be integrated or healed. That part is just so fascinating. And psychedelics basically hits all different realms of our our being. So basically one of the best modalities there is. So that's probably a quick way I could describe my why um, oh, yeah. for this work.
0: Amazing. I feel like different people can be brought to the medicine in such different ways, right? Sometimes I find it's like, it's a really intentional one, um, like, like to heal something on purpose. And sometimes it's kind of you just stumble upon it, because your friends are doing it, or you're partying, mm-hmm. and it's introduced. And then you discover all the benefits that can come with it down the line. I think that was more my experience as well. Of Just like, well, here's this thing that you can do at a show to feel good. And mm-hmm. then it- was so much more than that I was like oh my gosh blasted me off on this journey as well (laughs) so thinking about that um in your experience knowing how diverse and dynamic these medicines can be who might be a good fit for psychedelic therapy and and why
1: yeah that's such a great question and um (sighs) um I kind of approach it from two different lenses because one one simple answer is anyone who's interested in them. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you feel a pull, if you feel a desire, if you're curious, if you think it might be worth it for you, anything that comes, particularly if it's coming from our inner source or our inner sense of being... Um, for sure, I would I would like encourage people to look into it. Um, other than that, anyone who actually just wants to learn about themselves, so there's become this big focus on psychedelic for healing, which is amazing. It, it was a big part of my journey. But psychedelics can be used to explore one's psyche more, to explore oneself, to explore spirituality, to just understand the world in greater capacity. So um, the alternate side of psychedelics is people who do want more introspection or more growth, ultimately, um, psychedelics can be really good for as well. So I would kind of answer it kind of two parts there. If you're just pulled to it um, and think that it's something for you, or if you really want to intentionally grow and move your life forward. Um, both of, both of those reasons, uh, would be good for psychedelics and then I'm don't use it that. if you yeah. don't want to, like yeah. if you if you have a big old no in your body, when you think about using psychedelics, don't push yourself. It's, it's, it's not something, it's not for everybody, you know, it's not the panacea. It's not going to help every single human. Mm. Um, I think that's kind of sometimes can be a fallacy if we're not pulled to something. It's not necessarily for us.
0: Yeah, I love that you said that. And here on the show, we are really big into self-inquiry tools. We've Mm. dove into the Enneagram, um, astrology, um, Myers-Briggs, all sorts of different ways to just learn more about who we are and the self. Um, So I'm kind of curious, do you have any examples of maybe from past um, psychedelic experiences or journeys that have really helped you learn about yourself?
1: I mean, every psychedelic journey, I would say, helps me learn about myself, um, partially because that's the intention I come at psychedelics or come to psychedelics with mm-hmm. is to learn about myself. Like that's that's one of for me personally, the greatest gifts psychedelics provide for us. Um, but anything super specific, the one that always stands out to me as like being a very transformative moment was um, in an ayahuasca ceremony when I shortened version I learned that basically the judgments I carry are only harming me Mm -hmm. um and it was this massive understanding of not only are the judgments I'm carrying about others or the judgments about the world or or about right and wrong not only are they only harming me um they're also um, (laughs) this part's kind of hard to understand but they're projecting out Judgment, which makes other people judge me more myself. Mm-hmm. So it like doubly harms me. And it was just this like, deep, visceral understanding of like, holy crap, like if I just release judgment, I'm not only releasing judgments I have on others, which harms me, but I'm also releasing judgments that might be projected onto me. Um And then integrating that becomes a whole thing. Um, But that was like just a deep, one of those versions of like deep learnings that can come through psychedelics um, that transformed how I interacted with my family, transformed how I interacted with like everybody in my life from there on out. Um, So yeah, I guess that's how I would answer that question.
0: Yeah. No, that's a really great one. Um, And I feel like they're endless too, but Mm -hmm. um, these takeaways, right. We, we have them when we're on our journeys and then we just feel it on a cellular level. That's like Mm -hmm. when I was, when I've been explaining psychedelic experiences in the past to people who haven't uh, had their own experience with it, that's my best way to describe it. It's like, we have these astounding takeaways and learnings and teachings that come from it. Um, And then when we explain It is, it might sound a bit simplistic to people who we're sharing it with, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But for us, it's like absolutely mind blowing and um, it changes things. So, Mm -hmm. the most recent one that I can remember for myself was uh, from my ketamine experience. And um, I had six different times where I took it in a guided kind of um, container. And inside of each of them, I I had this little glimpse, I was they were very visual. So even with my eyes closed, like I had all sorts of visuals, and I'm very clairvoyant. So um, that's just kind of how I process and see things in my journeys. Um, I was seeing things like statues, like animals that i would never seen before, (laughs) lots of colors. And it's like my mind was my subconscious was taking me on this trip. And Mm -hmm the feeling that I was kind of left with after um, my, my dosage had you know really wan- waned off was that I didn't have to protect myself so much. And mm. um, sitting with my husband, I would always kind of talk about it after he'd be like, you know, waiting with bated breath to hear how my experience was. And every time I just was coming from this place of calmness and sereneness and just like, the best way I can describe it is I was really sitting with my true self, my highest self. And um, I would just share about, you know, my my experience, my journeys, and there were some really vulnerable things that I would share, but I didn't feel like I had to protect my heart. Like I was very able to be open hearted and that um, didn't need to get defensive on no matter what the response was. And that was new for me because in in our relationship my husband and I um, I will admittedly like get defensive sometimes when there's really no need to be but there's a part of me that feels like it needs to protect me Um, and so whether it's his tone that feels a little icky or his volume or the words that he's saying uh, it can easily trigger me and so um, my uh, ketamine therapy brought to light just that and how you know rethinking that a little bit of do I actually need to be protective in this moment or defensive and having that simple moment of introspection and asking was able to get me to that point of like maybe yes and here's why and I can communicate that and we can have a conversation about it maybe the answer is no and I can just let that guard down and just be present um, with that love
1: Hmm. That's so beautiful. I love what you said there too, because that's one of the greatest benefits I've seen in my years working with ketamine is that pause that ketamine can provide where you get a pause and more of a moment of choice to choose which way you want to go in this moment. Am I, do I have reason to be protective and defensive or don't I? And then you choose which way you go based on that little introspective moment. It's beautiful. That's so Mm. cool. How has that shifted? If you don't mind me asking you a question, Um, how has that shifted
0: your relationship with your husband? It's shifted a lot, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, Our communication has really improved. We've also been in couples therapy because I mean, I think everybody should be at some point in their life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Even if you Mm -hmm. don't think you have issues to work through, it's very validating to have the therapist be like, wow, here's what you all do really well. And here's areas of opportunity. So just a lifelong learner. But um, with that, Now, it's like whenever I can sense myself getting triggered um, in a conversation with him, I can have that pause and take it for face value and say, I am not in the headspace to have this conversation right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that has been pivotal for us. And um, just like even having a conversation around that and how Kyle, he has let me know, How he really, really appreciates to hear that of like, I want to know when you can't have a conversation about something rather than have you push along when you're feeling triggered. And then we just don't have a productive conversation in the long run, right? And then we're like leaving the conversation feeling a little bitter and like we weren't actually heard where if we just stepped away and then came back to this conversation when I or we were ready for it, it would be so much more smoother and flowy. So actually a a service. (laughs) Right, right.
1: That's amazing that you found that spaciousness within the relationship as well. Um, For the both of you. That's cool. Awesome.
0: Thank you. Yeah, and so thinking about um, different psychedelic medicines, I know that you have experience with quite a few. So mm-hmm. I'd love to just kind of hear um, your—I don't know—I don't want to say favorites, but like any mm. preferences and differences among the medicines, and really anything that you have to share on on those different lights. Sure. Um, yeah, I will do. I'll how
1: could I answer this question? Um, I think I'm going to just do a quick overview as to what medicines I use and why, um, if that works for you. Um, so psilocybin was probably my, like, was my first introduction. Um, and that one I think is, is one of the better introductive medicines. Ketamine also being a new favorite for me for an introductory, uh, psychedelic because they're, Particularly when supported properly, set setting, all of that stuff. I don't know if we'll get into that much today. You guys went over that quite a bit on that first, first one, but um, set setting are really crucial for psychedelic use always. Um, so the guidance that's, that's part I'm going to assume these are all kind of guided, supported, proper journeys. Okay. Moving forward. Yes, fair, um, yes. But with, uh, with yeah, psilocybin or ketamine, they're really good introductory uh, experiences for us to start to learn what it means to surrender into the medicine, what it means to kind of tap into a more spiritual quality of our being. Um, and and are just really beautiful and pathogenic medicines, meaning that it helps us kind of connect to and feel the world around us. Um, MDMA would be another favorite for me. My favorite for that one is actually couples work. A lot of the um, research has been on trauma, which is amazing for trauma. Um, but I really encourage people who want to work with MDMA as a couple. Um, it can be super beneficial for that because it's even what you mentioned with ketamine, where our um kind of our guard drops with our partner and we're able to say that extra thing that might be just below the surface, just like we're, we're so transparent, we're so honest, and then there's like that extra 5% that we're just a little bit scared to share, all of a sudden we're scared to share it. And our partner who's also on MDMA can receive it without their ego being flared, without their... um fear centers online as much so there's this exchange this deeper exchange of information where we can connect more to our partners um and work through kind of those deeper stickier layers that can kind of create tension within a relationship so mdma and my personal um personal favorite for couples um yeah ayahuasca i would say is good for people really wanting um Gosh, I have so many qualifiers for ayahuasca. Mm -hmm. Properly held container (laughs) is needed as well. People who are trained, like there's lots of questions I would encourage people to ask um, before just going to an ayahuasca ceremony. Um, But ayahuasca is really good for people who do have deep trauma and need people who really understand psychedelics from a spiritual lens Mm -hmm. um, and want to connect more to their spiritual the spiritual aspects of life is who I would
0: recommend ayahuasca for. Um, um That's actually one that I'm really curious about right now. I've yep. experienced um, psilocybin, I've experienced MDMA and LSD yep. um, and ketamine now, and I'm feeling this like big pull to ayah. So nice. actually, would you mind sharing some of those qualifying questions that you would encourage folks to sure. lean into?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, Ayahuasca, being being from the Amazon, has a really long lineage and quite a few different lineages. I'm I'm not going to go into the history of that too too much, but there's a lot of different tribes and different parts of the world that work with ayahuasca and work with it slightly differently. Um, So, so some of the info I have is based on just the lineage that I understand, which is the Shipibo-Conibo lineage. So, just one qualifier there that I'm speaking of only the one lineage that I really know about. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's like decent training that you go through when you're learning to be an ayahuascaro and an ayahuasca um, maestro uh, or curandero where they are dieting plants and they're working with plants in a way to become allies, spiritual allies and spiritual teachers to help them learn how to work in the psychedelic realm. Um, so one of the questions I would ask anybody who might be going to a, to a to an or might be referred to an ayahuasca journey, um, is find out how long the person has been training or studying. Mm-hmm. Um, and what their, <laughs> this is just me, but what their commitment within that amount of time to the lineage was. Because some people are like, oh yeah, i studied for eight years, but they really only did a journey once a year versus mm-hmm. people who studied for eight years and immersed themselves in learning the lineage, learning their tradition, learning how to actually work and serve the medicine. Um, so that's one question I would definitely ask is just like, what's the, their length of time and their commitment during that time? Um, and then people will have different, different feels as to w- whether that feels like enough time or not enough time. And and I want people can make their own decision on that. Um, and then another one is just how many participants are going to be there yeah. for the amount of people holding space. Um, and again, there's no magic number. It does depend on the expertise of those holding the space obviously people who understand the medicine and and all that at a greater capacity can hold more people but i've heard of some some journeys where there's like 30 50 even 100 people in a room with like six or seven people holding space and that's that can be actually quite dangerous Mm -hmm. so um that's why i'm just saying with ayahuasca there's quite a few qualifiers to me of what i would want to look for particularly if your intention is to go in and do deeper trauma work or work on more core aspects of who you are. Um, the space, the container, it, it's good for that to be held really well. So those would be two kind of basic questions I would ask. And then from there, you'll either know if if you're feeling like, yes, I want to go work with this person um, or, not, or no. For me, and I'll just name the question of like how long someone's been working with the medicine. Um, No less than about six to eight years for me. And that's like pretty committed. Um, before I would, I would feel comfortable working with somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, that that's just me, but other people might feel comfortable with less.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much for these questions. I truly like, I've only, you know, heard people mention ayahuasca, whether um, mm-hmm. books that I've read or listened to or in conversation. And um, just hearing from you, who has so much experience with this, that's really, really helpful. I appreciate it.
1: Mm-hmm. And if people are going down to Peru or down traveling, like um, really doing your due diligence to find out about the centers, like, it's, it's become a tour. It's, it's become a thing of tourism as well. Mm -hmm. And we have to be just mindful of that. Um, if, if choosing to go down to Peru, so just
0: a little, a quick little qualifier there as well. Thank you for that too. It can be so appropriating. So mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, then just to finish off the question prior, uh, others, the other two psychedelics LSD to me is one that's just kind of fun. Um, I, I, there's lots of healing, lots of kind of re-looking at the world. Um, but that's one I truly just use if I just want to kind of play and have fun. Mm -hmm. Um, I've always found LSD is good for that. And then the last one that I'm really passionate about is actually Mm 5-MeO-DMT. Um, and that is, is, is a medicine, um, that's really good for people trauma depression anxiety for sure when when dosed correctly um there's a taping doser, dosing model with uh 5meo that i personally think should be the only way that 5meo is dosed um but it really allows people to learn to surrender learn to really release and relax into such a profound and kind of big experience that Five MEO provides. Um, while also, also really tapping into the deep, deep spiritual qualities of kind of oneness, wholeness. Um, some people say God, uh, depending on kind of your language. Um, I look at it more, I I use the language for Five MEO. It taps you into unconditional love. Um, mm-hmm. But what that can do sometimes is it'll show us perhaps where we are not loving um, either ourselves or others. So there's elements of a 5-MeO journey that can be really um, deconstructive because we can think we're acting in a certain way that we aren't um, sometimes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's lots of interesting things that can come through a 5-MeO journey. But people And people go to that medicine for all sorts of reasons. Um, it's, it can be very
0: powerful. Oh, so cool. I'm really excited to chat a little bit more about that. Um, mm-hmm. To kind of take a step back on mm-hmm. um, time frames. I feel like some of our, our listeners might be new to this. So right. um, I think that might be interesting to kind of notate. I know for like, um, I'm most experienced with LSD and MDMA and um, like psilocybin mushrooms are still like, I've only um experience them maybe five times four or five times or something like that um and in my experience uh like a typical dose of mushrooms two um milligrams i believe i don't know correct me if i'm wrong what a typical dosage of that is um but that lasts me about three to four hours um and mm-hmm. i want to hear like what your senses for the different medicines and how long those mm-hmm. journeys are to also give some um ideas to our listeners totally
1: yeah that's a really good question um so i would say for psilocybin mushrooms um one now nowadays there's so many different strains th- that it does kind of depend on the potency so that's one thing as as these things become more and more legal um just to be aware of so what i'm going to do is more i'm just going to say kind of a general overarching place to start would be probably more like two grams not milligrams um about two yeah two grams two to three grams is like a decent intro dose where people should i shouldn't say should because it does you you still have to surrender into the experience but people most people will be able to to feel it without it becoming an overwhelming experience at about two to three grams um yeah and then there becomes like bigger doses uh and then your the other part of your question was
0: um yeah so just for each of the different um the different medicines
1: oh,
0: right length of time yeah length of time
1: yeah um yeah so psilocybin is usually about 3 to 5 hours um if I'm ever holding space for somebody I usually book at least 5 to 6 I always book longer than what is going to be needed just so that there's always space mm-hmm. um but yeah so, so for psilocybin it's about 3 to 5 hours mdma people say it's like 6 I always experience it of more like an eight, an eight hour journey. Um, The earlier in the day you start with MDMA, the longer I feel it takes to ground and come back down. Like it is a medicine that does kind of need you to go to sleep um, before you're going to feel pretty like sober again, in my personal experience. Um, LSD is about 10 to 12 hours. uh, Mm -hmm. And then... Ketamine is about 45 minutes to an hour, hour and a half, depending on the method of, um, of delivery, I guess, of, of working with ketamine. Um, am I forgetting one? Ayahuasca is about five, five to six hours, I would say. Sometimes a little longer, depending on, um, depending on the ceremony itself, but usually around, um, well, the whole ceremony might take about eight hours from start to finish, but, but out of that time where you're actually under the medicine is about five to six. Mm-hmm. Um, and then DMTs just like regular DMT, 5-MeO or, or NNDMT, um, they're MDMT is about 15, 20 minutes. And then 5-MeO is about 20, 20 minutes to 30-ish, depending on dose.
0: Mm-hmm. and that's why I wanted to go into the time frames because they're so mm-hmm. different right mm-hmm. and I think especially as we learn a little bit more um, from you about 5-MEO-DMT I haven't had any experience with this one mm. and um, just hearing I've heard from some friends that the most intense parts of it are like five minutes long, but it feels like a lifetime. And so Mm -hmm. that's what really fascinates me um, with this one in particular. And I love that this is the one that you are like really um, committed to working with right Mm -hmm. now, um, along Mm -hmm. with the others, of course, but I feel like there's just so much more to learn. And this one may be the least talked about out of um, the rest of them. Like I'm thinking about on Netflix, how to change your mind. Like this one wasn't touched touched on um too too much um of course it was a little bit but peyote was even talked about more so Mm -hmm. yeah um talking about how there's that that like relation with god for so many people and how it's just so intense but in such a short amount of time i find to be fascinating
1: yeah it's um 5meo is a super fascinating substance um (laughs) So, it it, it decon it's a big deconstructor. It really deconstructs what we think about this reality. Um. So one of the one of the biggest constructs we have in this reality is time itself. So it melts time in this way, where you simultaneously feel like it's been no amount of time and the longest amount of time you've ever experienced in your life. Um. And not always like that. Like I've had some experiences where I'm fairly aware the whole time. Dosing is a really big factor with 5-MeO. And in in my, like I said, kind of earlier, Um, dosing, I think has been misunderstood um, with this medicine because we have this, this is going to go on on a bit of a tangent, but our culture kind of has this more is better mentality as an underlying kind of core value. And that bleeds into everything. And so we have this idea and then kind of how psychedelics have been talked about generally is like, Oh, you need the heroic dose. You need to break through. You need like this language of more is better. You need to like reach this thing. Whereas with five MEO, um, like I said, I, I do like, I've, I've learned a method from, um, from a mentor of mine who um who uses vape pens where you literally basically microdose it at first. Like you have a very, very small amount, and then you just slowly increase the strength of the vape pen. So you walk yourself into what otherwise is often dosed with a pipe, and you're getting a large amount blasting you off at once and is very, very, very challenging on the nervous system. Um does shoot does kind of give you that blast off this like massive experience. But coming back from that massive experience can be really challenging as well. Whereas when you slowly walk yourself into it and allow yourself to learn how to surrender, how to calm your nervous system while being in this medicine, you get a little bit longer of total time in the medicine because you're slowly working with it. Um, <sighs> And it's just like you you teach yourself surrender in a really beautiful way. Um
0: so yeah, I yeah, I feel like I kind of went off on a tangent, but I um, love that tangent. That's such a valid point. <laughs> um, and I think it's it's really needed. So um thank you, thank you for sharing that. And then thinking about this, um do you have any stories that you could share of like memorable transformative journeys that you've had with 5MEO that are like mm. detailed and can kind of paint us that picture of what it might be like to help us understand um like if we might be interested in that? Sure.
1: Um one way that people have been describing it lately when working with me is that it basically moves their mind a little bit out of their body. So when you can teach yourself to surrender, it's not that like it's not the traditional way of like an ego death, but it is this kind of sidestepping of the ego's control over the body. So that the body can just go through whatever the process is that the body needs to go through. Sometimes that's extreme shaking, that can be, um, like yelling or screaming. Um, it can also just be the biggest cathartic release, it can be, um, rolling around. It can be all sorts of things because the, that idea of trauma is stored in the body, which is like basically a proven theory at this point. Um, I myself have, have released lots through the body, um, allowing the body to then go through what it needs to do with which our conscious selves prevent due to like socialization and all these other things. Um, such amazing things can happen. Um, I have witnessed friends of mine just completely and not through just like one experience. Like I don't, that's one thing I'm really cautious about with psychedelics that you take an experience and your whole life changes because it's not that simple. There's a lot of work that goes into it, but who, who just slowly through what came through for them, which is hard to describe with 5-MeO, it can be simultaneously extraordinarily universal, like, like. This understanding that God exists um, and like deep knowing of it, and it can be super deeply personal, where it's really helping you work through like a trauma that you maybe didn't even know. So for me, it actually worked out. um, I was working with it quite regularly while I was training, like learning to work with it, Um, and it kept bringing me back to the same memory I had that basically started this belief that I wasn't loved by my parents, Um, and. I eventually got to this place where I just had the choice to let the memory go. Like, it was like, you can hold on to this belief. You can hold on to this memory that, that keeps you in this belief that you weren't loved. Um, or you can just let it go. Mm-hmm. And I just had this moment of like, okay, I'm just going to let it go. And it from that moment, I've never had that memory surface. I've never had... Like that belief has shifted in a, in a, in a way that it's really hard to describe. It's just like, instead of it feeling there, it's like, no, like that, that was never true. Um, And I consciously worked through that in therapy that it wasn't true, but I couldn't get rid of like the underground underlying residue that it wasn't true. And that experience really like uprooted that whole underlying residue. So that, that belief just doesn't
0: exist in my being anymore. Wow. Oh my gosh. That's so impactful. And thank you for sharing that too. Like that you've, you'd really tried to work on that in, in therapy in the past. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes that works for many things, but for some beliefs that are just so deeply rooted to your core, like from childhood. Um, I think a lot of people have found that in traditional like talk therapy, that it's just not enough sometimes for those ones that are just so deeply in there. So, oh, that's huge. And, I mean, thinking about this, like integration is the whole other part of Mm -hmm. uh, what must happen after these psychedelic experiences so that they're not just one-off experiences and rather can actually change our lives. So Mm -hmm. uh, I'd love it if you could share your light on integration, the importance of it, your tips, anything on the subject that you think would serve. Sure. Um, First thing I just
1: want to say there that's one of the fundamental differences of why I think psychedelics are such a great tool, particularly when paired with therapy. Like I did a lot of therapy along with starting with psychedelics in my early Mm twenties. Um, I now tend to work with coaches and that's, that's a whole own thing. But, um, with, with, like psychedelics are a tool that help us have the embodied experience that our conscious mind is working out in therapy. So if the conscious mind doesn't do the processing in therapy, which is also what some of the integration work is, it might be actually hard to have that embodied experience otherwise. So they do work really well in tandem. And I want to make sure people do understand that it's not one or the other. It's like, use all the modalities you can for a problem to get it fixed as quickly as you can. You know, it's like, And psychedelics are just a catalyst for that. So I just want to make sure that that's kind of clear. Um, And then coming to integration, integration. So the way I'm actually thinking about it these days, um, which has taken me kind of a long time, is integration is actually the process that everyone is on, period, in and out of psychedelics. We are on a process of integration, of taking our lived experiences and working forward in a way that is effective for us. Um, Integration fundamentally is connecting things that are different. We're doing that all the time in life. We are taking in new information and doing something with it, integrating it. And so I actually see integration as a process of life that psychedelics come in and provide a tool to help us in that integrative process that we're consistently on. So I actually look at integration a little bit differently these days um, because it's something that we're doing Whether or not we're using psychedelics Um, in terms of psychedelic integration, the reason why that is stressed is because psychedelics come in and they provide a plethora sometimes of a bunch of new information all at the same time. So then it becomes a very diligent and intentional process of taking whatever information that can be either deeply personal or deeply spiritual. It can totally change the way that we are interacting with our own concept of of our place in the universe. it's taking whatever is given to us and restructuring how we relate to the world based on what was given to us in a way that works for us. So that means sometimes we have to let go of things that came in the in the psychedelic experience. You cannot take everything in a psychedelic experience as 100% truth. Like that's, no. <laughs> there's metaphor, there's, there's things and sometimes you have to let go of those and sometimes you have to let go of old beliefs and old stories that you're holding on to to assimilate and move into whatever the psychedelic uh, gave you so it's figuring out what that is for each individual Mm -hmm. which is sometimes can be an easy process like I don't want to make it sound like it's this hard thing that can actually be a decently easy process sometimes and sometimes it can be challenging and quite quite a lot for someone to have to work
0: through. I love that you said that because in the past, I've had some super profound um, experiences with with psychedelics and afterwards, or even during sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, that was huge. Oh my gosh, this was life-changing. And then I'll start start getting overwhelmed of all of the takeaways Mm -hmm. that I need to remember (laughs) from Mm -hmm. this one journey. And then I'll start to like, you know, all of these beautiful things will then turn into an anxiety. And so right. it's just kind of either something that I'll do sometimes is I'll um, either write it down in the moment if I feel like it's something I really, really want to hold on to, but don't want to stress about forgetting, um, whether it's in a notebook or my phone, which I don't like having my phone on me, but sometimes um, my notes up on my phone is just my easiest go-to, Um mm-hmm. But yeah, just like making it simple. I love that. Like, what are like the one or two big things from this experience that I want to hold on to and maybe journal on afterwards and, and really sit with?
1: Yeah. And I think that that's, I have people who who have said like, oh, I can't remember everything in my journey. And it's like, you can't remember everything in your life. Like, yeah. that's okay. Like, just let it go. The things that are most pertinent for you that are really needed will stick with us. You know, that's life. And if people continue to work with psychedelics, um, like if it becomes like, for me, it's an integrated part of my life. Um, If people choose to do that and it's on and off, I'm not consistently working with psychedelics, but um, I do use them as tools. If people choose to do that, the threads come back. Like, Something that came to you in your first journey all of a sudden pops up again in your fifth journey because it's important for you to work through. So it's also surrendering and letting go to just what the process of like learning and integrating and growing, which is not a linear process in and of itself. so so the psychedelic process is not linear. Mm-hmm
0: man I have chills that hits (laughs) Mm. (laughs) thank you thank you so much oh my gosh you've given me so much to think about reflect on and kind of future ideate on where I want to go next in my path so Mm -hmm. thank you I know our listeners will gleam a lot from this too and um how can we support you how can our listeners connect with you going forward if they are feeling called to
1: Beautiful. Thank you for that question. Um, and yeah, I'm happy. It was I love talking about this stuff. So anytime, anytime you want to dive into psychedelics, I'm here. So uh yeah, listeners can go. I don't have social media. I don't have, I don't really have social media. Um I am, you can go to my website, rawproject.org, um, or just email me, Christine K-R-Y-S-T-I-N-E at rawproject.org. I'm I like email. Um and then our community, the whole human embodiment network. Um, it's a network of little communities of people uh, getting together to talk about this stuff. We There's like different sharing circles. There's all different things in that, um, that I am. I lead some things in it, but I also am just a participant of people who are growing together and learning how to embody and be our human selves. So those are the places where people can find me. And um, thank you so much, Kat, for asking me to be here and, and having me on today. I really appreciate it.
0: Absolutely, Christine. It was such a joy. You're such a gift and such a wealth of knowledge. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you and to our listeners um if you have any comments questions feedback praise that you want um for this episode for christine you can also get in touch with us um, on instagram at awaken together podcast we're here for you and we love to hear your feedback um to show your support we'd love it if you follow rate and review this and other episodes of the podcast and we'll see you all next week